podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and uh, I mean, I know we're all focusing on uh, K-State basketball, and hell, you know, we're about to either play anywhere between two or nine more games left in the season, but if you're listening to this on release day, spring football starts today. I know it's wild to think about, at least I think so, March 7th, right, Drew? Yeah, March 7th. Drew's going to be on the show. You, you see it in the description of this episode, so it's not a surprise. But yeah, today's the first day of spring football. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm much happier this year that we've we've been able to talk about basketball. It be fun and not have to stretch out all sorts of pre-spring football content to fill the episode schedule. But it is a pretty big you know, pretty big day. It's the defending Big 12 champion. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to bring Drew on. It's going to be a football grab bag. We're going to have a little NFL draft talk. We're going to have a little recruiting. And then we're going to end it by talking about the storylines and position battles that we are most looking forward to during this spring football season. So, yeah, it's Drew. He's uh, he's one of the main guys over at Case Online covering recruiting. He's a Topeka cat. He's a great kid. Uh, and he loves the military based on the shirt he's wearing today. So, Drew, welcome back to the show, my friend. Yeah, it's good to be back. Like you said, that it's crazy that spring football starting. And uh, Flando and I were actually talking about that at the last basketball game, about how it was crazy that it was the last basketball game. It just feels like ever since the Big 12 championship, everything has just flown by. It really has, and uh, weirdly enough, I didn't put this on that little outline that I sent you. I'm now at this point a little surprised we haven't gotten the announcement of contract extensions and raises for Chris Kleiman and uh, Colin Klein specifically, but a lot of the assistant coaches. Have you heard anything on that front, or is it just kind of like, hey, you know, there's there's maybe an I to be dotted here, T to be crossed here, no nothing to worry about? Yeah, I don't think there's anything to really worry about. I think that this has been done for a little bit, but then they had the added wrench of Thad Ward leaving and then hiring Matthew Middleton. And then there was Klein's uh, Notre Dame offer and turning Notre Dame down. That's kind of thrown a little bit of a wrench into things, not in terms of like deals not getting done, but in terms of like timing of when to do it. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets done this week, but I, I feel like either Derek or I have said that for the last like five weeks. So maybe this will be the week that it actually is official and announced. I had thought uh, I, I had something whispered to me a few weeks ago, and it's actually the last time I had Derek on. I'm like, I, I think it's going to be announced by the end of this week. And, and that week came and went. So I'm not going to make any predictions today, uh, but let's get into the conversation uh, that I, I think, uh, you know, we were all watching college basketball this weekend, but the NFL combine was going on. And I tell you what, uh, we had two guys kind of basically go viral, you know, at the bookends 
of the uh, NFL draft or NFL combine. The first one was Julius Brents, really with his measurables uh, body-wise and then getting into his testing numbers. And then Deuce Vaughn at the end of the week, uh, just going viral basically every single you know, drill that the running backs were doing, his clip goes viral. You know, he he caught the final pass of the NFL combine on a nice little wheel route. And then he just runs off a backhand spring backflip thing right there in Indianapolis on the turf. Um, so let's start with Julius Brents, because I, I, I think that's something that K-State fans knew. Hey, this mm-hmm. guy has ungodly length. Uh, and we thought that, hey, this is a guy who's going to impress with his testing numbers. But he was breaking records. He was like in the 90th or higher percentile for cornerbacks in almost everything like in history, not just this year. Walk me through kind of what your perception of Julius Brent's uh, NFL draft prospects were before the combine and now coming out of it. So a little bit of a fun fact about me is that before I got into all this with KSO, when I was in high school and a little bit of college, what I actually wanted to do when I grew up was be an NFL scout and NFL draft guy, kind of like Matt Miller for ESPN. Um, so I watched the combine every year, like on ironically and like really get into it. But I always had kind of made comments here and there to other people. And I think I even told you at one point that I thought that Julius would be the highest K-State player drafted in the spring, because I knew that after he got the senior bowl invite and then after he went to the got the combine invite invite that I thought that he would blow up because of his measurables and because of his length. And he broke the NFL combine record for wingspan. He was second in uh, the vertical jump among the corners this year. He was tops in uh, the broad jump. He blew everybody away in the 20 yard shuttle. And I think it was the three cone drill. He tests so well. And I feel like he could be a late, uh, maybe mid to late second, early third round before the combine. And now after it's kind of like he might be a sec of solid in the second round, maybe late first if somebody really falls in love with his length. He probably didn't run as well as he probably wanted to. And I want to say that he probably can. I'd be really interested to see what he runs at his pro day. I think that's at the end of or the middle of next month. Are you going? I I got uh, the emails like, hey, if you you want to go, like, just let us know. I think I think we're all going. So maybe I need to maybe I need to tell uh, Ryan that I want to go. I don't know. I'd take the day. I'd take the day off work to go. I don't know, man. If I was you, something has to provide the type of lifestyle that Chauncey has become accustomed to. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know if I if I can just be taking vacation days off to watch pro day, but I might. Like I almost went last year. Because uh, I, I was uh, I was getting to know Reggie Stubblefield and his agent really mm-hmm. well, and they're like, "Yeah, come on out and hang out with us." <laughs> um, but I didn't end up going. But I might go this year, so I'll, I'll let you know. But but if he runs in the four four range at K State's pro day, like it, it's very possible that he ends up as a first rounder because teams are going to fall in love with his length. Um, the Cowboys, like every every time he did something, like I would just search his name. And apparently the Cowboys really, really like him because he is like Dan Quinn's like prototype prototype at corner that's really long and really physical and can really run. So it would, it would be interesting to see what ends up happening where he goes. 
let's get into Deuce Vaughn because again, he went viral and, and I felt like I saw it from three or four different NFL draft guys yesterday. And it was never the same drill. You know, first it was, you know, the bags drill, then it was the Deuce Staley drill. And then, uh, I, then, you know, like I said, the, the wheel route, uh, you know, pass catches, you know, catching all these different passes and just going viral for all those type of things. What do you think when you uh, saw him in the drill portion and did he help himself uh, in the NFL draft? Or do you think, you know, he probably came in with, you know, a mid to late day three type grade and that's probably where he's going to be. See the, the, with the drill work, everything just comes so easy to do. Like it, it doesn't look like he's necessarily like trying that hard, but it's because he's so quick and so agile and he can do everything that you want to want him to do. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't run the 40 to, to be completely honest, but he did so well in all the drill work. The The issue with him and it, it's the issue that he's had his whole life. And it's why he made the right decision of coming out and going to the draft this year is that he's not going to grow. And he set the combine record for being the shortest person to ever attend the combine. I, I was just about to mention, you know, you, it's the two uh, polar opposites. Julius Brent sets the record for wingspan for a corner, and then Deuce Vaughn sets the record for overall shortest player ever invited. Um, he didn't test. I, I believe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I believe Julius Brent is the only one who went through the actual testing. It sounds like. Felix did not uh, test and he did not do any drills. I don't know if Malik did any drills. Uh, I know Malik he did, didn't, didn't test. Do, Malik didn't run the 40 for sure. Okay. I, and, I, I, I thought he didn't do any testing. I didn't know if he did. I don't any think he did. Either. I don't think he did any drills either. And then um, Deuce didn't run the 40, but did drill work, but Julius did everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think Julius probably had the most to prove. And I think, and this is why the NFL PA, not, not to turn this into an NFL podcast too much, but I think this is kind of why the NFL PA is saying like, let's just get rid of the combine because so many people go now, they'll just do some interviews and they're not testing. They're not doing any of the drill works. And, you know, a lot of these guys are just leaving it to their pro days. Um, but w- before we kind of predict, you know, get the post combine prediction on where these guys might go, what what is the biggest thing any of those four guys specifically can prove at the pro day later on in April? Uh, for do, do you want this like as a whole answer? Yeah, well, or... let's just go one by one. We'll go Julius, Felix, Malik, and Deuce. Uh, with Julius, the biggest thing to prove would probably be to get down to four four because it's it's not like running a four five three is slow, but if he runs a four four, he could easily go first round, which is crazy to think about how he was so under the radar as a pro prospect this entire year, and then goes to the senior bowl and blows up. But if you watched K State games, like you knew that he was probably a pro. And then with Malik, it's probably more drill work because you'd like to see him be more consistent catching. And this is something that you can't prove at the pro day, but like you, you want him to like be, be big, be physical. Like he was in the Oklahoma game on that touchdown catch that he had Uh, with Felix. It's still probably, it's a little bit more of the size thing because there were some people that didn't actually believe that he weighed in at 255 at the combine. 
So if he comes in and weighs 255, runs well, tests well, we know that he's going to test well because he's a freak athlete too. With Deuce, it's hard because the only thing that he has to prove is like it is like a size thing and like he can't change that but he's so complete everywhere else that if he had Bijan Robinson's height could you imagine where he would go like there are people that think that Bijan Robinson's Maybe gonna go one overall ten. yeah if, like there's... If, if Deuce had that had his ability in Bijan's uh build he would maybe go one overall I'm not yeah kidding. like like people think that Bijan Robinson's gonna be in the in the top 10 like if Deuce had his height that that's like the only thing that he has to prove because he has everything else. All right, let's get into some predictions and we may or may not be able to get you in before the draft does happen. Just, you know, five, uh, no, nine and a half miles from where I'm currently recording this. Um, but give me your prediction first for Julius Brents. What round is he going in? Uh, I'll, I'll stay. I'll say second round, late second round. All right, let's go Felix then. Uh, probably mid second. Malik Knowles, sixth or seventh, and then Deuce Vaughn. Anywhere between five and seven. Hit him it, with Deuce specifically. It's just so hard to predict like where the running backs will fall. That he could be picked anywhere between the fifth or seventh. I I would actually be kind of surprised if Malik uh, didn't get drafted. To to be honest. Ooh. Okay. Well. That will be something to keep an eye on. I, I I know I'm holding out hope we get all four of these guys drafted. Um, but a question outside of the guys who went to the combine, is there anyone you think that has a shot at hearing their name called in the NFL draft or who may outside of those four be the highest priority or hottest undrafted free agent? I don't think that anybody that didn't get invited to the combine will get drafted. Just because it's so rare for somebody that doesn't get invited to the combine to get drafted, that I I, I think it happened a, for yeast, right? Yes, and but like that's more of an exception. I mean, so, I'm just just saying, I'm just saying. And then, uh, who was it? The because uh, we didn't have anyone the year before that. Who who was the draft pick uh, in between those? Um. Between between okay, so last year was Skyler and Yeast. I I want to say the last draft did did the last draft have anybody? Was it White Hubert? Was he the last one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was White Hubert. Yeah, no, yeah. and he was in twenty twenty one. We had no one in twenty. That then we had yeah. Reisner. Duke Shelley didn't go to the combine. He was drafted in twenty nineteen. He was a stud so, this past season. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Uh. So all right. But who, if any, are is there anyone who's going to be a hotter name on the undrafted free agent list? Uh, I could see Echo getting a pretty good undrafted free agent deal just with his with his speed. Like you, you can't teach that, and he could play corner. He can play special teams. I mean, he could do a little bit of everything. He he was a gunner, I believe, uh, on and off during his time at K State, so that that could be in play. So that'll be something we keep our eyes on. Something else that I keep my eyes on every single week. Seemingly, Manhattan Brewing Company is dropping some brand new beer that I just want to drink a gallon of responsibly, though. 
only drink responsibly. But they have all sorts of fun stuff. They recently did a collaboration with Rockabilly Deli. They've done a collaboration with uh, Varsity Donuts. They always have over 10 beers on tap, sometimes like 15. They have Crowlers to go, four packs to go. And if you're not a beer guy, they got a fully stocked bar for signature cocktails as well. They will always have K-State games on. I'm sure they're going to have NCAA tournament games on. And with this weather, sheesh, they're going to open up their patio here soon as well. They got food trucks coming by. They always have fun events. So please check out Manhattan Brewing Company the next time you're in Manhattan or if you're lucky enough to live in the happiest place in America, check them out every single day and tell them Bosco's Voice sent you. Send me a picture of the Bosco's Voice sticker that is on their fermentation tank. Tweet it at me. Maybe you'll get a prize. I don't know. I don't know. I don't run the show. What are you talking about? That's my dog, Chauncey. He runs the show. Okay, let's get into the next set of topics. Let's talk a little bit of recruiting again. Um, in the past few years, seemingly every visit, every single commitment, we'd have to got, turn into its own episode because no one wants to talk about K-State basketball uh, over the last, you know, three years. I don't really blame them, but whatever. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about that right now. I mean, that's in the past, uh, but let's get your just quick take. We currently have three guys in uh, the class for 2023 i just want to go through them i'm going to leave uh the quarterback for last but let's go with let's go with the uh the legacy man uh let's go with will howard's bigger younger brother just an absolute behemoth of a man who was the first uh, was he the first or second no he was the second uh commitment of this class right or was he third? He was he was a third. He was third. Oh my gosh. But everyone knew we, we were gonna get Ryan Howard, of course. And I'm sure the memes are gonna write themselves with that one. Um, you know, is it a baseball player? Is it a character from the office? No, he's gonna be a future all big 12 offensive lineman. Tell me what your opinion of him was. Uh, what sort of competition did K-State have for QB1's little brother? And uh, what sort of role do you think he's gonna carve in for himself, you know, two, three years down the line? So we've actually seen Ryan Howard. He was at uh, one of the camps this past summer. Absolute giant. Like he is all 6'6 and like 325 pounds, whatever he's listed at on the on three database. That That's his correct size. I wish he I was 6'6, six, six, man. <laughs> like he, he is huge. Um, he, he needs to work a little bit on footwork. He's not... He's not like a polished product in terms of footwork, but he's really physical, really big, big mauler. He's probably projects more to the inside, if I was to guess right now, than the outside because of because of his feet. But he is a road grader. You can just get behind him and he will run people over. Lots of pancakes on his highlight tape. It's a lot of fun to watch because he is giant. So some competition that he had. To to be honest, once K State offered, it was it was kind of over. Like K State led for a a long time. Um, I think Syracuse, West Virginia, and Maryland all threw their hat in the ring, but really it it was over. And he he came to K State in that January visit to commit, and then ended up committing that Friday. Like almost as soon as he got into Manhattan, he decided to pull the trigger. 
That's what I like to hear. Let's keep it with the beef. And, you know, one of, uh, you know, at least uh, the, the uh, you know, K-State offensive linemen coaches, you know, all, all, the, all the fun shirts, you see the hats, you see the hashtag. It is some Kansas beef. And that is with the, at least according to on three, we'll, we'll get your ratings maybe a little bit later. The number three player in the state of Kansas, Gus Hawkins. Uh, he's a Shawnee boy, but he's from, He's not part from my part of Shawnee. He's a Mill Valley Shawnee guy. Uh, there, there's a couple different parts of Shawnee, and I, I'm not. I'm the secret day job does not pay me well enough to live in his neighborhood. Uh, but he's <laughs> at Mill Valley. Um, great program, Mill Valley has great right program. now. By the great, way, great, great. I think program. he's a two or three time state champion as a junior. Um, mm-hmm. Two time. I don't. I don't know. I don't follow. You know who wins state championships close enough, but I said it, so now it's out there. I hope he's a two-time state champion. It's at least two because they've okay. been amazed the last two years. Okay, good, good. I was right. Two-time state champion, assuming he was on varsity as a sophomore, uh, Gus Hawkins. Um, what can you say about him? You know, again, another tall guy, but, you know, not he's not quite as beefy as Ryan Howard right now. Coach True's probably going to have fun with him for a couple years. But what sort of prospect is Gus Hawkins? Uh, Gus Hawkins is going to be a really, really, really good player. I, I, I don't think that they're. I don't think he's rated high enough right now, to be honest. I, I see him as more of a four-star kind of guy. He, he has really, really good feet, and part of the reason that he is a lot skinnier and has such good feet is that he's a really good basketball player. So he kind of comes from that background, and then is now an offensive tackle prospect. And he's another big, strong, mauler kind of guy that is going to be a really, really good player, I think. And I mean, we're going to get into ratings later, but I, I, I like him a lot and think that he could be a big time, big time player. And then finally, we'll end with the quarterback for the cl- class, Blake Barnett, the number one player in the state of Colorado. Uh, he's currently, you know, right on that razor's edge. He's a high three star uh, at all the uh, ranking places, weirdly enough, Rivals still doesn't have an evaluation on him. I'm sure it'll eventually come. Um, there's one thing I'm never going to worry about until uh, proven uh, incorrect, and that's quarterback evaluation with these uh, with this coaching staff. And this was really the one they zeroed in on from the jump. Uh, so what can you tell me from uh, what you've seen from Blake Barnett? Uh, so Blake Barnett is a really accurate passer. He can put the ball anywhere that you want. He's a really good athlete. I think he ran for like five or 600 yards this past high school season. Uh, he's a good track athlete too. Uh, can put the ball anywhere. Good vision. He has good footwork. Like he, he is really, really going to be really, really good. And like you said, if you can trust one thing about this staff uh, on the offense, well, really anywhere but quarterback evaluation has always been spot on i mean look at the the last class and i i believe every single quarterback they ended up offering was a four star and then for the 24 class i think that blake and i think it's daniel kalen from nebraska are the only two that they haven't offered that are, are that aren't four stars on at least one site right now like they they are nails when it comes to quarterback evaluation and Blake's a really good athlete. I'm really excited to see how his senior season goes because I want to say that he had like 56 total touchdowns this past season. 
Um, and he goes to John Pastore, uh, redshirt freshman offensive tackle. Uh, his They were high school teammates together. So that's a pretty cool connection. And then a home state win for Colin Klein. Yep, and it's a win over Coach Prime uh, when you're looking at some recruiting wins as well. So, uh, you know, suck it, Coach Prime. You know, you can't you can't recruit. You can't Gus recruit. Ha- Gus Hawkins doesn't have his other offers listed, but that that's a really really good recruiting win right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. And again, let let's get into where you think this the state of Kansas is going to end up being because uh it's not and, and this is not to like throw shade at where this year's class of preps are going to be because uh quite frankly last year was one of these last uh, year was historic yeah it it was historic it was uh you know it, it was something that we may not see ever again not only at the upper end but i mean how many Division One signees ended, did there end up being last year? I mean, I, it was over. I, I think, was, I think it was, was like lot. sixteen. I want to say that there, like there, it. there was there was a ton, and where where it is historic is that there were there were so many Power Five signees last year, where this class has, I believe, it's like ten or eleven that have Division One offers, but only six have power five offers yep yep you're right all right but i want to hear what your top five uh currently is for this year and and really again because it isn't as deep of a class uh really the top three is really where uh if you want to give a little bit of info on each of the guys and then you can just round out your four and five but start with number one don't worry about what your employer has them at don't worry about any of the other uh, services or sites. I want to hear just Drew's number one Sunflower State prospect for the 2023 class. Uh, so my number one prospect is Michael Boganowski from Junction City. He is a linebacker slash safety. He can play anywhere on defense. He is a freak athlete, jumps off the page athletically, really likes to hit people. He had a game, I believe, this past season where he had 25 or 26 tackles in one game. Like he, he jumps off the page as soon as you watch him really fast can cover ground easily. Like he, he is the number one prospect in Kansas in this class, I think. And number two for me is somebody that we already talked about with Gus Hawkins. I think that both of those two will end up being a four star at some point on one site. That's all said and done. And that in its own, again, we're we're not seeing the, you know, what I think it ended up, what did it end up being three or four guys who ended up with four stars from last year's class at different points? Yes. So, so again, you know, we're not going to hit that number, but having just two guys in in a state, uh, not in a state, in Kansas, uh, in a year getting up or at least having the potential for four stars, that's still pretty rarefied air for the state of Kansas. Actually, I'm looking at it now, and seven different guys on at least one site were ranked as a four-star. Last year? Holy mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Avery, uh, Samuel Same from Derby, Jordan Allen, Calvin Clements, John Randall, Dylan Edwards, Joe Otting. All seven were four-stars on at least one site. That's wild. <laughs> that was just a wild class. 
and, and I can see it for all of them except for Same, but you know, I I mean I'm not a Same got Same got a lot better between his junior and senior year. Well, whatever. He's going to Iowa State, right? Yeah, actually, it, it's eight because Jaden Ham was still rated as an ESPN four star. <laughs> what a wild time! What a class! We'll never see anything like that in the state of Kansas ever again. Um, that's wild. That's wild. Good for all of them though, and I'm and I'm glad. I'm glad we had one of these banner classes in the state of Kansas. Uh, absolutely love it. All right, who round out your top three? Who would hold down that number three spot? Um. For me, number three, uh, just because I, I know more about him than some of the other guys, I'd say that my number three guy is John Price, uh, the running back from Blue Valley. He transferred from one of the Missouri schools to Blue Valley and was an absolute stud last year and tore it up. I'm surprised he doesn't have a little or doesn't have more offers. But I really, really like his film and his tape. He's another quick guy who is a lot taller than running backs that I guess K-State fans might be used to because he's 5'11", 185, so he's pretty big and put together. And he will hit you if you meet him on the hole. And I know a lot of people that went to Blue Valley, so I've kind of heard of his name a bunch. And he got hurt in the middle of their season. I think he broke his hand, and it just derailed their season. Because his their entire offense was just giving him or Andre Davis the ball, which you know, good strategy. Give, give your two power five players the ball. Yeah, but Blue he, Valley has been a nice little pipeline into K State. Um, where does K State currently stand with Boganowski and Price? Uh, with Boganowski, they just had him on campus on the very first day of the contact period, March first, and that's a good sign that he wanted to come right away. And again, it shows just how much that K-State is prioritizing him because this is visit number four for him. But in a strange kind of turn of events, because he also vis- visited in January, but it's his first. it was his first non-game day visit. So he was there for um, one of the competition practices because they still hadn't started spring practice yet. So he watched a competition practice, toured the campus, also got to see the new practice facility. And... Um, they're in a really good spot for him because he's visited K-State by far the most. Nebraska is actually probably the biggest competition, even though he was just at Oklahoma. His dad is originally from Nebraska and went to uh, Bellevue High School, which is kind of uh, an important school for K-State coming up because they have at least one visitor from Bellevue High School coming this spring. Um, But he's... I would say that K-State has the edge right now for Boganowski. Nebraska's probably second. Oklahoma might be third. He's going on a long spring visit schedule. So it'll be interesting to see where he narrows down and puts his official visits to. And I wouldn't be surprised if Boganowski's also on campus this spring again to watch a spring practice. Uh, With John Price, it's honestly anybody's guess. Like Everything has gone so quiet with him as of recent that it, it wouldn't be a surprise to see where he goes with any of the schools. He's visited K-State at least twice for uh, football games, but there isn't a whole lot of information about him anywhere else besides that. Well, that will be a fun one to see you guys uncover 
I'm sure over the next few months. Uh, don't have to give much about any of them, but if you had to round out a top five, who would have sp- spots four and five? Uh, so spot four would probably be Caden Massey, the offensive tackle from Linden. Um, I really you can't teach his size at six eight. Um, and then uh, my number five prospect would probably be Trey Ridley from Blue Valley Northwest. Uh, he's a safety. Where on three lists him as the number two player in the state of Kansas, but doesn't have a K-State offer yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if that changes by the time it's all said and done. Well, good. It'll be something to keep an eye on. Now, let's get into uh, some spring football talk. Again, this is all uh, before Chris Common has his first press conference, before the first official practice gets going. So this is all stuff that you and I both will be keeping an ear to the ground for how we're going to do this. We're both going to kind of draft just three storylines. It It can be storylines. It can be, uh, you know, a depth chart battle, position battle, anything like that. Um, So it can really be as broad or precise as we want to make it. Since you're the guest, I will let you choose the number one spring storyline that you're watching. Wow. I was going to let you go first. It's your show. Nope, nope. I, I the guest. I'll always let you do that, and I'll always kind of like give them kind of the last uh, word. I always say, "Okay, hey, guest gets the last word," but then I'm like, "All right, well, that's <laughs> it for the show. We love you guys. Go cats. Chauncey's my dog." Uh, so it's funny that I always do that. I, I, I I'm aware of it. Uh, no one's ever called me out on it, which I'm surprised because we we kind of have some <laughs> sassy listeners on occasion. Uh, but no, I I will let you go first. Uh, for me, my number one storyline, and it's honestly kind of what the number one storyline was going into last year at this time, and it's how how does the safety room shape up? They lost uh, TJ Smith, Sincere Mason, um, Drake Cheatham, and I feel like I'm definitely missing someone. Sincere Mason, Drake Cheatham, TJ Smith. I feel like you're missing someone else as well. But anyway, they're 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 replacing a lot in that room. And and you also Josh have, Hayes. Yes, and Josh Hayes. There we go. I knew we were gonna get it eventually. But and then you, you He so might get an undrafted free agent look, maybe. I could see it. It's kind of short, but but you've lost uh you've lost four contributors or well, three contributors and tj smith's role was declining as it went as the season went along so you lost three big guys and you also have kobe savage who's coming off of a major injury and likely won't play any of the spring practices and so it's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen at that position because you have only brought in one transfer with mark marcus seigel who was originally a corner and is now a safety I'm interested to see how the progression of VJ Payne comes along. Uh, Jordan Perry is somebody else that I want to hear more about because he's an athletic freak. And, and I'm just really interested to see how that room shapes out and if they're actually finished with that room. Because if you remember the last two years, they have went to the well of the portal after spring ball for a safety and, and have gotten a major contributor. That's a good one, and, and I, I I think that's uh, I, I think that's probably the most important storyline is how how safety is going to shake out. But for me, I think the most 
fun storyline, especially a position battle that I, I think folks will uh, be keying in on is actually who the backup quarterback is. So you have, uh, you know, Will Howard, surprisingly, you go back in time and you tell us uh, recording a show on March 6th, 2022, and say that literally nobody in the world wants to unseat Will Howard as the starting quarterback for next year. I think a lot of people would be like, what are you talking about? But for the backup quarterback, you have the uh, one of the highest rated recruits of all time coming in, Avery Johnson. You know, he's the Kansas kid. I think his recruitment was watched more than maybe any other for any K-State fan uh, in the modern era. You have Jake Rubley, who, again, was a four-star quarterback, kind of, you know, he fits that mold. You know, if you're casting someone to play the part of big-time college quarterback, Jake Rubley fits the casting call. He looks like he fits. And then you also look at a guy like Adrian Lara. You know, this is that's his second season in the program. Mm-hmm. What sort of strides does he make? So while I think the safety room and how that shakes out is maybe the most important, I think one of the most fun, and probably because it's low risk, you know, ideally it doesn't matter who your number two quarterback is. Hopefully, knock on wood, cross your fingers, all that type of stuff. Um, but I think it that that becomes the most fun storyline K-State fans will get to watch. Yeah, um, I'd say that it might honestly be as important as safety if last year was any indication. I think uh, well, we're not no, no, no. <laughs> I, this is I, I, this is the year. This is this is going to be the beginning of a 10-year, 10 plus year stretch <laughs> where K-State's starting quarterback plays and starts every single game of the season. So Ooh, I was, I wasn't even calling out that this is like a K-State important thing. This is like, I think eight or nine of the big 12 teams last oh, year had to use, had it to happens, use backup all, at it happens all the time. But like, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, Will Howard's built like a freaking brick wall. I mean, Yo, the, the God, guy, that, that, I mean, you just see him like power clinging an entire house. That was wild. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and you're correct. Odds are, you were going to have to depend on who this number two quarterback is at some point. Uh, but at least in the spring, when you, when you're, you're sitting back, you know, in March and April, it is a little bit more low stress and there is some excitement and it will be just kind of a more fun thing to watch. So that, that is my number one. Uh, what's your number two? Uh, so my number two would probably be the, how does the defensive end room shake out? Because you, you're losing Felix Andy DK Uzama, great player, all our Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Lineman of the Year, didn't get drafted, I said, in the second round of the NFL draft. You're losing him. And you have Brennan Mott and Nate Matlack. Matlack was hurt most of the year last year and probably didn't have as good of a year. And he will even admit that he probably wanted to and thought that he could. Brennan Mott was pretty good last year. And really came on. He was second in the team in sacks. What, what's the depth behind them? Does does Khalid Duke move down to defensive end? Is somebody like um, Cody Stuffelbean going to jump off the table and be a contributor this year? Does somebody like Donovan Ryman get to come off the table and be a contributor? Because you not only lost Felix, but you lost Jalen Pickle. 
So you, you need defensive linemen depth that are ready to come in and play this year. And that's, that's something important for this spring because that's another one where you could go back to the well of the portal and pick up a defensive end from either a Juco or from the portal after the spring if you don't like where you are depth-wise because they're going to need defensive linemen. That's a great one, and and I'm right there with you. You have a lot of young guys, and and some of the big recruiting wins over the last three years have been at the defensive end. Uh, So you got to have a little bit of confidence in Buddy Wyatt getting them ready to contribute, but it is kind of the unknown. If you look at the amount of snaps that Jalen Pickle and Felix A.M.U.D.K. Uzama have played in the Coach Kleiman era, uh, it does get a little does get a little dicey. Um, this my, isn't like a spring storyline, but I think that Jordan Allen's somebody that could come in and play right away, probably as well. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad that he's just like a world class athlete, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna compete, you know, for state, you know, in some spring and summer sports in high school. Uh, you know, but Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to bash on the kid. I, ho- I hope he, is he a, he's a basketball player too. Cause he does track and field and does mm-hmm. he do basketball as well. I think so. Yeah. Well, I hope he wins state and everything go Jordan Allen. Um, my next one, and, and this is going back to the defensive side of the ball. It is uh, develop depth behind what you think are the next two stars at cornerback and then semicolon slash, you know, I don't know, continuation of that, like make sure Parrish and Will Lee are those guys. First, mm-hmm. like Will Lee has to get on campus. Um, I know I the plan is there right now. Okay. <laughs> because I know the plan was get him in before spring ball and get him to start taking some mid-semester classes. Um, but he was a guy who like legitimately had Alabama offers. He is a guy that truly uh was one of, if you look at offer sheets, um, especially coming out, out of like the Juco playoffs, one of the most decorated Juco defensive back prospects of this uh, season. He uh, could have cycled, whatever you want to call it. He could have picked his school. Yeah, he, he could have. There, there aren't very many, there are very few schools in America that would have said thanks, but no thanks. He is supposed to be that good. Assuming he is on campus and ready to go, kind of keeping an eye on him that he hits the ground running, um, you know, kind of adapting to Power 5 strength and conditioning while Power 5 spring ball is going on um, and locking down his side of the field. And then Jacob Parrish, again, he showed flashes of brilliance. He has shown some really high marks. But again, there's a difference between, you know, 10 snaps here, five snaps there across a season and being the starter, because uh, that's like the one spot on defense that once we got to the back end of the season, they weren't rotating hardly at all. It was echo and Julius Brents. Um, So it's seeing what those guys do and what's going to happen behind them. There are some players who have some very raw skill as we're seeing with some of the uh, stuff that they're putting out on social media with some of the testing uh, in the cornerback room, you have some prospects. You have a guy like Keenan Garber who had a handful of big time snaps in the in the Big Twelve Championship game. But again, you know, five snaps in a massive game, albeit a massive game, is a lot different than being the number three cornerback uh, for the defending Big Twelve champions. Uh, who's going to step up 
fill those depth roles? And then is Jacob Parrish and Will Lee really going to be everything that we need them to be and really hit their potential? Because uh, if if they don't, uh, you're going to need to find someone who does it because this this defense, this style really thrives on two guys really being able to own their side of the field. I will say, though, that they weren't rotating as much at corner at the end of last year because they had Jacob Parrish playing more of a safety role. On that is true. Down. That is true. Parrish was rotating in because uh, he, he was kind of doing that in the box safety uh, that uh, Josh Hayes was playing as well at times. So th- that is that's a fair call out. That is a fair call out. Um, so that is my number two. You get one more. Uh, of your uh, storyline that you're really going to be focused on, your number three. Uh, I'll I'll switch sides of the ball because I've just been talking about defense so far, and I'll I'll say that the running back battle really intrigues me. Treshawn Ward, I think, is going to be a big time home run hitter, and I'm excited to see what he does with DJ Giddens. I I don't think that I can pencil in either one of them as a starter right now because I think that they're both going to come on so strong this spring. And be kind of like a one-two punch. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of uh, formations and sets that have both of them on the field at the same time. Because I think that they can be that good together. Where Ward is more of like a straight line, speed, burner kind of guy. And with and Giddens as the speed and the power. So I, I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Because I, I think that one of them is obviously going to be listed as a starter when it's all said and done. But I'm really interested to see how the snap count goes throughout next fall. No, I'm right there with you. And and I think you, you said it uh, the way I see it going. I, I, I don't think there's going to truly be like a star. I, I think Giddens might, when it's all said and done, get more snaps. Um, but I, I think they are going to see them more as complimentary backs versus uh, Giddens was coming in to spell uh, deuce there there was a handful of times maybe all season where, where they're like all right we need dj for this play versus okay deuce just broke off a 60 yard run and got caught from behind let's get dj in there um so i i, I do think it is going to be more complimentary and thinking all right here's here's the uh script of plays where we think dj giddens is gonna thrive here's the set where we think Treshawn ward's the guy so um I, i'm right there with you my I'll final. The, oh, go ahead. The, oh, I was gonna say that the second half of the Alabama game didn't go as well as everybody probably wanted it to on offense. But those plays that DJ Giddens had near the end of the game, hard to not get excited about that. Those, those are, even though some of them were the backups for Alabama, those are still Alabama caliber athletes coming in. And Giddens racked off some nice runs, had a nice catch and run. Hey, Shipper's got a touchdown, baby. He scored versus uh, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> My final one, uh, and, and uh, th- this will be the last one. I'm sure everyone has their uh, thoughts. Tweet them at Bosco's Boys, at Scott Wildcat, at uh, Galloway underscore Drew, I think. I don't know. Yeah, something just, like that. Just just tweet at us. Let us know your storylines. But my final one is going to be uh, any any conversations about the evolution of the Colin Klein offense. Now, uh, w- we saw different plays. We saw him – uh, kind of going about things a little bit uh, differently when you had Adrian Martinez versus Will Howard. Now it is an entire off season where it's okay. Will Howard is going to be our guy. Do they build on and kind of uh, expand upon what we saw during that back half of the big 12 season 
with Will Howard. Again, he 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 can run it on occasion, but again, that was truly part of Adrian's uh, arsenal. You know, you're not going to build that offense the same way in the offseason uh, as you did or as you will with uh, Will Howard. Now, Will Howard was the quarterback last spring because Adrian was still recovering. So this isn't the first spring where it has been all about that. But this, again, it's actually his third offseason as a Yeah, QB but with, with Colin Klein. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. again, I, oh, I'm kind of throwing the, the Messingham uh, offseason out. Um, so we're going to see how that develops and, uh, you know, and with that kind of, okay, the development of the wide receivers and all that type of stuff on offense outside of, you know, okay, how you're going to split stuff up at running back. Um, I think, you know, who your wide receivers are going to be. It really is all about expanding on what the offense can be. You don't have to spend a ton of it determining what that depth chart is going to be. So I think we might see, um, and, and again, you're losing your two most explosive players in Malik Knowles and Deuce Vaughn. Um, and, and again, Deuce Vaughn is a two-time consensus first-team All-American. But I don't think it's crazy to say this offense might even be better this year because it's year two, two of Colin Klein and you're bringing back your entire offensive line. Phillip Brooks is coming back. R.J. Garcia is going to slot in. And then you get Keegan Johnson from Iowa and you're off to the races at uh, wide receiver. You have Ben Sennett, who might be the best ball-catching uh, tight end in the Big 12 coming back. So I think that we might be hearing this spring, like, look out, this offense is looking scary. Uh, I, I mean, I I agree with everything you said there, and I'll add in that there, there's some excitement about what Jane Jackson has done this offseason, and that For he sure. could be a player at receiver. And I, I think that what you're saying – it is exactly right. And it sounds crazy because they lost so much explosiveness with uh, Knowles and Deuce, but I think that they're going to be more complete and there's going to be guys that you can give, you can give Keegan Johnson like seven, eight targets a game and you can give Phil Brooks five, six targets a game. And like, you can just balance everything out and like DJ and Ward can split carries depending on which one is uh, producing more that I think that you have a more complete offense going forward that might not have to rely heavily on the explosive play because when you really break down this offense from a year ago, a lot kind of did rely on the explosives and there weren't a lot of complete like sustained drives. And I'm, I'm excited to see how this offense evolves. And there's also just a little bit more pressure on Colin Klein after this past off season and being such a wanted man to see kind of where the, the ball falls. And he will still probably have a few growing pains because he's so young as a play caller, but I'm excited to see where this all goes. Definitely. Well, that is where our uh, six big storylines are going to be. Um, that's all I have for the show. I will not say I'm giving you the last word because again, I kind of have my outro, um, you know, phrases that I'll hit, hit the nail on the head on the way out, but just kind of give the boneheads any sort of plugs of what you got going on uh, over at KSA online or anything else. And then, uh, then we'll say sayonara until uh, probably April or so. Uh, so it's a fun time at KSO. Like it has been really all since we switched on three K-State wins, the Big 12, basketball's going really well. 
So coming up, we have obviously a lot of extended basketball coverage with the NCAA tournament. We have Big 12 tournament coverage, obviously. We have uh, recruiting visit updates, recruiting visit previews, um, and just about everything. Spring ball, I think we're going to do some uh, depth chart looks and in-depth uh, position by position. Like it, it we're in like crossover after we're in the crossover season part two, where it's hard to know what day it is, what's going on, because there's so much happening right now that like I have like a big calendar that's like, okay, this person's visiting here, spring practices are starting, what's all going on? So it, it, it's a fun time to be a fan, it's a fun time to be a person covering the team. Like, th there's a lot going on, so. Hopefully you guys stay along for the ride and keep enjoying what we what we do. And there you have it, folks. Um I mean, gosh, I I I'm pumped. Uh again, we got the Big 12 tournament going on um later on this week. We got selection Sunday, of course, all that football spring practice stuff going on, visits every time. Like the, there's probably very few times where it's a better time to be over at K-State Online. I'm pumped. I'm absolutely pumped. Uh, but, yeah, so that's all we have, folks. Again, thank you, Drew, for coming on. Uh, you know, great work over at K-State Online. That's all we have. We will be going live tomorrow, Wednesday, 7 p.m. It will be during that 8-9 matchup of the Big 12 tournament. We'll be going live on Spotify Live. Uh, so, you know, watch watch some Big 12 basketball, chat with us on Spotify Live as we get ready for the Big 12 tournament. So for Drew, for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, we love you guys and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Podcast Network.